What's up, you guys? I'm your host, Michelle Snore, and welcome to the Limitless Podcast. Today, I have the honor of interviewing licensed cosmetologist, salon owner, and educator, Jennifer Alvarez. Jennifer has studied all over the world and has had the privilege of studying with several celebrity artists and business coaches. From traveling the U.S., teaching with hair care companies, to being a guest artist at beauty schools and salons, her experience and mentors have been the driving force of her award-winning bridal company and salon. You don't know what it's going to be like until you take action, until you put yourself in those arenas to say, this feels right to me. I mean, how would I even know that salon ownership was the right thing for me unless I just did it? And I told myself, like, I would rather die knowing that I tried my best to do it than to die with this regret that I never tried. Jennifer's mission is to impact the beauty industry by empowering, inspiring, and educating others through her salon, podcast, beauty business game changer, and educational workshops. Her energy is absolutely contagious, and if you are in the beauty industry, you don't want to miss this one. So get ready, grab your notebook, and let's get limitless. Everybody, welcome Jennifer to the show. Amazing. Thank you so much, Michelle. I'm so honored to be on your podcast. It's so fun to be on the opposite side of the camera here. Yes. Uh, mic, I should say. Probably <laughs> been one of the biggest pivots for me because I felt like I'm always used to being interviewed, whereas I'm the interviewer. So it's been such a fun um, time learning everybody's stories and just really shifting gears and pushing myself in that direction. So if you guys don't know, in the introduction, I did say um, Jennifer does have her own podcast that is specifically geared towards stylists. So I definitely want to talk about that later and we'll have that in the show notes. But first, I feel like our listeners need to get to know you. Give me like, give me Jennifer in a nutshell. Thanks, Michelle. So I started beauty school in high school, graduated in 2002, been licensed ever since. And I just have a great passion for teaching. I love updos. I love hair extensions. And in 2013, I launched a bridal business. Then I opened up a salon suite in 2016, which then expanded, evolved into a salon that we moved into and grew in 2019. So I've been doing all the things and a podcast and uh, I still want more. <laughs> <laughs> Always, right? I feel like that is uh, that is a, actually a really great topic to talk about, I think, too, because I'm definitely a pusher and a goer and like... I always, though, it's like this thing between like, I want to encourage people to just like do whatever feels right to them. Like if, if being a stylist behind the chair is what feels right for you and it's what makes you feel good, there's nothing wrong with that just being your career. That's a full part of my friends, full ass career. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, when you kind of got that like entrepreneurial mindset, which I feel like you have, um, it's, it's really hard to not always want more. And I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I go back to my beauty school days because it had such a huge impact on my life of, you know, there was this class that we did where it was like, design your own salon and whoever won got a laptop. And mind you in 2002, the laptops were like a big, like suitcase. <laughs> it was not like paper thin, but anyways, it, it just really inspired me of like, I want, I want to do my own thing. So it's like, 
I think that entrepreneurship is something that's like inside of you. It's like that God given like talent and like it's in your heart and your soul, like you got to do it. But yeah, if, if you don't want more in your life, if that means salon ownership, that's okay too. Like success is defined differently by, you know, each person it's our perception, right? Yeah. How did you really, I mean, I know you said you had the kind of entrepreneur. I always think it, what is it? It's the, I didn't choose it. It chose me. So I definitely agree with that. Um, but how did you really decide that, you know, your journey from being a stylist salon ownership was for you? I think that's a big question that as a stylist, you think that in order to grow, you need to be a salon owner, but it's really, truly not for everybody. It's, it takes, it takes a lot. So how did you make that, that shift and decide that it was right for you to open a salon? You know, it wasn't by choice that I made that shift, really. It was just a series of events that, you know, like sometimes if you don't do the things that you're supposed to do, like God, universe, whatever you believe in, it's going to push you into into where you should be in your life. So I was pushed into it for sure. Um, You know, I, I, I definitely took time out of my life to learn and be very observant of the leaders around me. So even like in my bio, it says how many mentors I've had. I mean, I am a student for life. I'm constantly learning. And as I was growing behind the chair and building great success there, I developed a great passion and joy for mentoring and teaching. So all the new hires that would come into the salon that I worked at, I had the opportunity to watch them grow and through taking classes on business and really, you know, side by side with the leaders that were a part of my life at that time, eventually got to the point where I was outgrowing their vision. And so it got to the point where it was like, all right, either I need to stay in this box and be okay with that, or I'm going to burst out of this box. And that's what I did. (laughs) I feel like we have a lot of similarities in in that story. And I think like you said, it it's a lot of times you're like, woof, I'm, I'm, I'm just like forced into this and I have to make a decision. And I think at the end of the day, it's really just like you said, deciding, do I want to stay here? Does this align with me? And I think that's where stylists end up making shifts. And that's truthfully okay because we are meant to grow, change and evolve. And that just sometimes means, I mean, even as a salon owner myself, I have to fully understand that my stylist might not always fit into the same vision that my salon is in at that time. They they might grow, expand or, or maybe they're a rental stylist right now and they need to go back to commission. Like it's forever changing and evolving. And I think that's where we really need to just be in tune with ourselves and kind of figure out what we need during that season of our life you know, it's, it's not a one size fits all. And that's the cool thing about this industry is that, you know, there's different forms of business models and I literally have tried them all. (laughs) And then I just found the thing that works best for me. And you, I think that you have to go through those different like phases throughout your life to, you know, those hard times, those lessons learned to be ready, prepared for what's, what lies ahead. 
I'm curious. So you said you've kind of tried everything. Can you take me a little bit through that journey? And then ultimately, what did you end up finding was best for you? So I was an employee when I first started out. And then I went to a place that was commissioned into uh, booth rental. Then I moved and went to another booth rental. And then I moved again. <laughs> and then I went back to an employee. And then I left and then I became a salon suite owner. When I was a salon suite owner, I also did freelancing and worked with agents and photographers. And then, then I opened up a salon. And so that's where I am now. Is that going to be the rest of my life? I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, you you don't know what it's going to be like until you take action, until you put yourself in those arenas to say, this feels right to me. I mean, how would I even know that salon ownership was the right thing for me unless I just did it? And I told myself, like, I would rather die knowing that I tried my best to do it than to die with this regret that I never tried. Yes, I totally can identify with that. And I've heard recently, I think a lot of salon owners, um, especially with all the shifts that we've been having inside of our industry, I've heard so many feeling like, well, if this isn't for me, then I failed or like this regret. But just to your point, I had to even just recently reevaluate. I was a commissioned salon owner and I love that. And I'm grateful for that time and experience. But we switched over to a rental salon because in my life at this time, that's what fits best for me. And that's what fits best for the type of team that I have inside of my space. And so if anybody's listening to this, I think what you want to pull out of what she just said and all of your um, shifts within your time in the industry is that you got to try it all and it's okay to change. It's okay to try something and then try something different. None of it is a failure. It's really just evolving you and getting you to, um, tr to true alignment within what feels best for you at that time. That that's so cool. I didn't know all that about you. <laughs> hey, that's, that's what happens in 20 years. Yes, that is a, <laughs> that is the success in our industry. I mean, it's hard to be in this industry. I've only been in it for 11 girl. <laughs> Yeah. So what would you say has been with leading you into salon ownership? What, what would you say has been the hardest part about being a salon owner? Me. The hardest part is me. Mm -hmm. And if there is just such a different mind shift and the different hats that you wear. Now I will say like salon suite ownership wasn't for me and it's a beautiful model, but you're also wearing all the hats Mm -hmm. And I felt very isolated and I feel so empowered when I'm able to educate other people and inspire them. Uh, education brings inspiration. And if I'm not inspired, I quickly get bored as you can hear my history. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm done with this. Let's see what else is, is there, you know? So uh -huh. I am a multi-passionate entrepreneur and i I truly believe that it is it is such a a mind game, right? It's a, it's a battle in your mind of what we're capable of doing, mm -hmm. and the second that you can start like putting your limiting beliefs aside and just going for it, that's when real magic can happen in your life and in your career. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think you said there's so many hats and whether you are in an independent suite, I had the similar experience. I was in a suite and you're doing it all, which is great because you learn really how to manage yourself um, within that, that space. And then when I went to salon ownership as well, Again, you're wearing a million hats, but I really craved community. I craved having creative stylists around me. And I. it was weird how much easier it feels being a salon owner in a space and environment that I love than being my own boss inside of a suite, which just didn't feel right for me. It it was missing, missing something. And it's like, now I have that energy back. But I think for a lot of people, the hardest thing is learning how to manage and how to do everything. How have you learned to systemize your business so that you really, I mean, you got a podcast, you got a bridal business, you're teaching, you're doing hair. I mean, how do you do it? With a lot of grace and prayers and surrounding myself with the right people. Um, I, I just, I'm so passionate that that's what like, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Like I am just like, let's go. What, what are we going to do today? What what goals are we going to crash or crash? What are we going to crush today? Well, you know, I I don't necessarily say I always love a challenge, but I love the result of it. I love the outcome of overcoming something, and it just feels like what I'm doing with my life has purpose. Mm-hmm. I think that the most successful people that I meet, whether it's within our industry or any industry, the commonality is is passion. And it's really, truly loving what you do. I find that when I take too much time off to even go on like a vacation, I'm like, oh my gosh, like something is missing. Something is missing. And I really get excited to go back to it. And I think when that's the case, even though I will not fluff this up too much, there's a lot of challenges, a lot of problem solving, not every day is sunshine and rainbows. But when you have that underlying passion for truly what you do, I think I think that's what really brings success. Yeah, it, it outweighs the challenges that you have. And you know, when we start to look at things differently, things around us change. And so if we take these challenges that are in our business and and we say, okay, well, I've got a gap in my business that I need some type of system or process so that it doesn't happen again in the future, then, you know, I am always like, thank God it wasn't bigger than what it was. Even though at the moment, you know, I'm frustrated and I've got all the feels, it's like, all right, just keep moving forward because Mm -hmm. what is the purpose of me being like, Oh my God, life is, it's terrible. It's just too hard. Like, yeah, entrepreneurship is not easy. If it was easy, then this economy would be blowing up and amazing with small businesses and, and big businesses, but you know, not everybody's got that grit and desire and that's okay. Cause that's why we have employees and, and people that work with us and, that's important too. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. 
One of the questions I've been kind of wanting to ask you, because I have this conversation a lot with salon owners, and my personal opinion is not one's right or wrong. Um, What are your thoughts? Everybody always says when they're thinking of opening a salon, should I do commission? Should I do a rental? What are what are your views on that? Yeah, that and that's a great question. It's really it's just the uh, the way that you want to pay either pay the people that are working for you, right? Or in a in a booth rental option, it's like it's more hands off. You really are the landlord. You can develop a culture. Like I know you have a beautiful culture in in your space. And I think that can be very difficult, especially if you try to do a hybrid, you've got all sorts of different cultures, different, different personalities, different hats. Who's the boss? Who's the leader? You want to build a business based on what is going to be best for you and for your life, right? Like Michelle, you, you had to switch over to a different business model because you realized after taking action and experiencing it, this isn't the right way that is best for me. So there is no wrong. There is no right. It's more so like, do you want to nurture relationships and guide and teach people to really thrive in this business? And that means also absorbing all the bad things that could happen along the way, right? Somebody cuts somebody's shirt, spills (laughs) color on somebody, somebody's purse, um, somebody, you know, doesn't like their hair, somebody like writes a bad review, you are taking the good things and all of the bad things when mm-hmm. you are doing a employee-based yeah. uh, salon. Now, when you're doing a booth rental, it does need to be organized in a way where it's profitable for that person who's doing the booth rental, but also set up in a way that is seamless and flawless for the guest experience too, right? Mm-hmm. To the to the client, the consumer, they don't care if it's a W-2 or 1099. They don't, they want a good service right. and an enjoyable time. That's it. So yeah. I definitely think that, you know, I, and I have a few friends too that are going through this as well, like do commission or booth rent, like figure out, do you want to take on that responsibility? Like if your business isn't doing well and you can't make payroll, like that is, that is a huge burden to take on. And if you know that like your passion is developing and nurturing people, developing leaders, then that W2 model is going to be great for you. If you're like, I want to provide a beautiful environment where we can just hang out. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing and that's okay. Then booth rental is the way to go too. Mm -hmm. And that was where I struggled back and forth when I decided to open my salon. All to your points. I wanted the culture. I wanted the cohesiveness. I wanted the elevated service. I wanted, I still love to nurture and lead. And I think that's the benefit that my team gets with having me in the space and being their previous boss and all that too. And I, I, it was like, how can I find the same things I love about commission, but then things that I love about rental and kind of create something a little bit unique and different. And I think it all comes back to just, again, trying it. Yeah, I, I agree. Like you, you don't, you don't know until you've tried that out. And, and, you know, I'm curious of your dynamic is so different though, because they've experienced you as, as that leader. I imagine that they still see you 
as someone that they can fall back on if if they need guidance and help, you know, and and they're so fortunate to be in that type of environment because most most booth booth rental models aren't really like that. Right. And that was and they they absolutely do. And I think it really does come down to the leader as well within that space, because I, I want to empower you to make the decisions and run your business and do all that as well. But I also love them to know that, like, listen, I've been through it and I'm here to mentor you. And so that's something kind of unique. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of this coming out with different salons um, transitioning or opening. But it is that that beauty behind still having a mentor when they come in with me, like, there's a force, even though you're a booth rector, there's a four-step interview process. And it's really to make sure that you're finding the right fits for your salon. And I really do spend the extra time to help set them up because I want them to be successful, but I also know it's my name on that door. <laughs> so I need to make sure that whatever is coming into my space, that was what I was not okay with. I was not okay with just being like, yeah, if you've got money, I've got a space for you. Um, and really it's out of protection of my team as well. I mean, it's very, very important for them to, they love where they work. They love their team. And I want to make sure that I keep that. And so is it a slower process? Yes. But does it work better for me? Absolutely. Yeah. I want to hear a little bit about your model. Cause I know you do, you have your bridal business and then you have your salon. So you kind of have a, a combination, a little bit of a mixture. What, what are you currently doing? So I definitely would say that I'm operating my business differently than other employee-based salons. Mm -hmm. And my whole thought process was when I was employee, I was looking at the things that I didn't like this. I didn't like this. And I liked this. So taking the things that worked that I, that I believe that should be in a, this particular type of model and implementing that to me, I'm like, look, I'm a, I'm hiring adults. I'm not hiring kids here. You yeah. have goals, you have personal responsibilities. And that's all I care about. Like, show me respect, make, make, be productive, make progress. I'm here to lead you and coach you. But I am not the type of leader or boss to hover over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. You know, you I, I'm here for you if you need anything. But, you know, I offer flexibility. And I think that's so important. I think we will be seeing more salons shifting into a more modern environment. At the same time, though, like it is a business. So if people aren't showing up or not looking the part, like there's a reason of why we have a system and process in place. And so we can unite together as that culture. So it is a flawless, uh, a flawless business to the customer, you know, so that it's been a little bit challenging, of, you know, pick and choose your battles here. Yeah. But I think my staff is pretty clear on the way I want things done. And I'm, I'm also like, you, you want a day off? You want to come in late? You want to leave early? You, you want to wear jeans? Fine. I got you. Yeah. Because I care more about them making progress in their career and earning the money that they deserve and expanding the, the opportunities in their life. That's what I care about. You know, so the little mundane things that a lot of maybe older uh 
employee-based salons have been doing, I'm like, it's, it will fizzle out because we have choices now. We have more choices. Yes. And I think it's just as important for when, especially with an employee-based salon, you're interviewing them, but they're also interviewing you. They have to, I always tell people, you have to like the way that I lead and you have to like the way that I've chose to run this space. And if that doesn't align with you, no hard feelings. I still love you. I still think you're great. It just, I just truly may not be the leader for you because as much as you're willing to shift and adapt, maybe how you approach a conflict, you know, if I know somebody needs to be pulled aside or if I know somebody, I can just be very blunt with them. I can totally tether with that, but I am who I am, you know, and it's my business and I want to feel authentic in my business. And so it's truly finding the people that fit within your business. You fit with them and they fit with you. A hundred percent. And it's funny too, like some of the interviews that I've been doing all of a sudden I'm like, it turns into a coaching session where I'm like, you're not a good fit. And I'm very blunt right away. Like, I'm not going to hire you. And here's why. Yeah, <laughs> and turn it into a coaching um, session too for them, where it's like, you know, interviews should be like this. You know, I cannot stand with when um, someone's applying and they're like, "Where are you located, um, girl? Do your due diligence." <laughs> Did you look me up at all? <laughs> yes. So uh, I have zero tolerance for that, and I definitely think, and maybe it's just because I'm getting older or been around in the industry for a long time. I just have like zero tolerance for laziness or stupidity, you know, like help yourself. Yeah. Everyone's like walking around with their hands out. Like I'm ready. Just help me. Like, are you serious? Get out of here. Yeah. (laughs) And I think with that being said, listening to that from you, like that is the type of person that you want inside of your space. You don't want somebody that you're going to need to handheld. And that was exactly one of the qualities that I was looking for too. It's like, I, I had to ask myself, what do I love in a teammate or in an employee? And it's like, it's action takers, it's energy, it's um, persistence, it's grit. It's like, it's all these things that I just not, I just knew I couldn't be around anything else and feel happy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, especially as like the leader, it's your, your space too. Like, I don't want to walk in my space and feel like I'm walking on eggshells of like, oh, well, this person's sensitive. Like, no, I want to be who I am. Mm-hmm. And, and I want I want the the followers or those who are my team, like, let's all just rise, rise together, you know? So it's like, eventually the, the people who are um, the weak links or, you know, they're not a fit. It's, you know, usually they find a way to fizzle out. So, I mean, with that... Uh, I'm sure you've had great hires. I'm sure you've had hires that you're like, oh man, I messed up on that one. How have you really um, figured out like what is your hiring process like? What do you what do you do for that to ensure that you are finding those people that are action takers and have great energy and not lazy? <laughs> you know, it's it's definitely a learning curve for sure. And when you're first starting out of hiring people, you know it's you just have to learn for each person, what, it, what worked well, what didn't work well, and take those lessons that you've learned. And it keeps on evolving as your business is growing. You're going to find that you're going to need new different type of talent or, you know, for myself, 
I really want to hire based on personality because that's super important. I can't teach you how to converse with people. I also know my weakness is that I give everyone the benefit of the doubt and I'm like, I can help you. So Mm -hmm. I'm working on that myself, but I definitely, I see potential in people and I'm the type of leader that I'm, I'm going to push you and you might not like it. You might resent me for a little bit, but I promise you, if you trust this process, you'll overcome that. So, you know, I definitely find like the first interview I do on the phone if I'm like pulling teeth, trying to converse with somebody, I'm like, okay, we're done here because like, I want to be able to, you know, I want to be able to have a a cool conversation with you where we're passing the ball back and forth here. But if you're, if you have zero questions for me, or if you have no idea where we're located or what we do, like (laughs) what's wrong with you? You're wasting my time. (laughs) Yeah. Talent wise, as far as hair goes, I, I do believe I can coach someone to get better. And as long as they put that effort in, of I'm going to practice, I'm going to practice, they're making progress, they're putting that effort in, right? Like, I sucked at doing here at the very beginning. And I got better along the way, because I kept practicing and focusing on that. Plus, I had great mentors, you know, so I, I, I really focus more on what are you going to bring to the table here? How, how are you going to mix in with my culture here? So it's definitely like you're dating somebody in the first few months and it's like, is, you know, is this just the grace period? And when it, when is, uh, when's your true self going to come out, you know? Yeah. It can take a little bit to warm up to a team. Absolutely. Have you, have you had to fire anyone? You know, I've been really fortunate to have some great people. So, you know, there's been times where, um, it just didn't work out most of the time though, they, they ended up walking away. So that was, that was good. Um, it's never, and it's never an easy thing to yeah. have to sit some down with somebody and, and say, this just isn't working for us. And I don't think that you're the right fit. You know, I'm pretty lenient. I will say, um, but you definitely, you know, if mistakes are happening. Address it immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a great tip of advice, and I've and always document everything, write yeah. everything down. Everything You're like, I down. don't want to because <laughs> I don't want to, but you have to to really like protect yourself and to it's a reference point to look back and really hold like yourself accountable because if you can be the type that you know, is a little lenient or you're like, oh, okay. Like it's fine. Like they're a good person, but then you have to really, sometimes you have to be a little bit more objective. I think we're such love people, loving people, pleasing humans by, by if you're a stylist, that's probably a quality you have inside of you. And I think that it's, it's very important to be able to kind of divide the two and really think objectively when it comes to your business and making business decisions versus personal decisions. Yeah. It, and it can affect your team as well. They see what's going on. And if it's like, oh, well, this person's doing that or that person's doing that, you know, every everyone starts to think, okay, it must be okay. What you permit mm-hmm. is what you promote. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I tried my best to pick and choose my battles, but at the same time, like, how many times do I have to tell you this? We're having problems here. <laughs> you know, you're like, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> this, it does not need to be hard. 
So really, as long as everyone's clear on those expectations of this is how we communicate, here's Mm -hmm. my non-negotiables, you know, and if the second somebody starts to cross those boundaries, then it's like, we got a problem here. Let's talk about this. Why do you feel like this is okay? And it is not, you know, in, in full transparency, it's not an easy position to be in when it's like, we're about the same age here. And I don't understand why we have to have this conversation, but apparently we do. Yeah. It's, it is, you know, if you're a stylist working for someone right now, just know that it is not easy for the leader to come and confront you about something that we, we believe should be common sense, but apparently it hasn't been. So (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a difficult role to be in. And um, I think, like you're saying, you just you have to have those boundaries. And I think you have to understand. I think that's where a lot of salon owners get kind of walked all over. And it's like the stylists are running the business at that point. It's because we as salon owners don't have like our missions defined and our guidelines and and our standards and our beliefs and our boundaries. Um, so Back to where you said the biggest challenge, you said, it's me, truthfully. It really is the salon owner themselves. And I think it's just beautiful. I can hear through your um, words how much you've evolved and all that you've discovered. And it's really enlightening to hear from you as well, because I know every time that something comes up, I'm like, okay, that wasn't maybe what I wanted to happen. It wasn't perfect, but how am I going to shift and how am I going to make it better next time? And it's just, that's how you learn and that's how you create a good salon. You're never going to have this manual that's just like, here's how everything's going to be perfect because it's you're you're you and you're involving other human beings in it. And so you're going to have these these natural things. And I think if you can accept that, and understand that when something happens, you can make a change. It it really gives you the power. Yeah, you you definitely, you have choices and, and it's just really important that you are clear on what are your values and don't deviate away from that and giving yourself grace of like, I can do this. I can overcome this. We can overcome everything and we, we have the capability and the skills to do so. I love that. This is kind of a, uh, I asked before the show, just some random, like, what do you get asked all the time? I want to answer what your, your people want to hear. And I think this is a very interesting topic because, so you, uh, pay your stylist commission, right? And we talked about if you're a rental, the, the stylists are paying you, but how do you pay yourself? Because you're wearing all of these hats and, and you're doing all these different things, it's hard to know as an owner how to pay yourself. So what have you done and what's worked for you? So disclaimer, I'm not an accountant. I always say that. (laughs) (laughs) Personal experience, how you have decided to do it on this day at this hour. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I really think that it's important that how you're managing your money. So like everyone and, and, I also said this when I was an employee of a salon. I'm like, they're so greedy. They're taking all my money. Mm-hmm. And like, I want a bigger piece of that pie. And, you know, now that I had my own salon and I'm looking at our financials, I'm like, holy cow. Yep. <laughs> like every single thing is, is it's like that funnel, right? Like yep. we did, 
you know, if we did $100,000 in services, it's like, okay, well, now we've got to make sure certain percentages are allocated out to our back bar and to the supplies needed to actually do those services. Last year alone, we spent $35,000 just on hair, mm-hmm. hair. I mean, it was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so just making sure that everything is going to be dictated from the sales that come in, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what? COVID happened. We shut down. Zero money came in. So me, I made zero money. <laughs> so but your rent still has to get paid and you're yep. still getting paid. <laughs> you, you still have those operating expenses. So it's really important. Take financial classes. Uh, I cannot tell you how many times I have sat down with my bookkeeper and my accountant. I call them on a daily basis. And and now I'm very confident, like the way my financial literacy is, I'm right up there. I, I could be a CPA. <laughs> well, but I need to come take a class from you because I feel like <laughs> I'm my accountant. I'm like, do you hate me yet? <laughs> it's important for us if you are a business owner, salon suite owner, booth renter, uh, salon suite owner, you need to know financial literacy in your business. Otherwise, there's going to be that day that, you know, uh, Uncle Sam comes and says, you owe me $20,000 and you're going to be saying, oh, oh my God, like, what do I do? So when it comes to like how we pay ourselves, it's really about what amount of money is coming in. Yep. Now, depending on how your business is organized, you can take with, you can do an owner draw a- as well into your books if you are working behind the chair, you can commission yourself out. But mm-hmm. as an owner, you are taking the time to doing all of the payroll, the bookkeeping. If you don't have anybody in place yet, you're doing the management and you're doing the inventory and you're doing all of these different things in your business that is necessary. You need to get paid. How are you going to survive? So mm-hmm. I, I definitely would recommend taking a percentage And now I can't say that there's a magic number as far as that percentage goes. It really needs to work out for you because in the beginning, it is tough. There's companies out there that say like, oh, you need to be taking 20%, 20% of your total, which is like, okay, if you did, let's talk about a small scale. If you brought in $10,000, $2,000 that goes into your pocket. Well, what about your taxes, all your operating expenses Mm -hmm. and all of your inventory like you still have other things to pay. So I recommend at least starting off with taking, let's say 5% and just shifting it over to profit. And as far as payroll goes, so for myself, the way my business is organized, it's an S corp. That's how I file my taxes. And so I pay myself a salary. Mm -hmm. So that number really needs to be discussed with your accountant of like, what is that number, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, I would love to say like, I'm taking 50% of all of this money coming in. But then, then, you know, the rest of the bills are not going to get paid. And most importantly, the largest um, percentage of where the money is being allocated is my payroll, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's like 50% right there. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you think of all the money coming in as a big pie and um, everyone wants a piece of it. Mm-hmm. Make sure to grab your share before it's gone. <laughs> yes. I remember that um, being an employee as well. And you're like, I'm doing all the hair and, you know, I should be getting this much money. And I think my girls, I will say my team, 
as a commission team, they are, they were never greedy. I, maybe it's because I made it so clear <laughs> that baby girls, <laughs> you are getting paid good. <laughs> like just know if I could pay you more, I would, but I can't. <laughs> so, um, and I think with them transitioning to their own businesses, they're seeing, they're like, oh, like it's $25 to get that box shipped to me. Oh, baby girl sure is. Like they're really starting to see. And commission stylists can make more than salon owners or rental stylists because a lot of times, like you said, if you don't understand your numbers and you don't know what's going in and coming out and you're not keeping track of your inventory, those percentages dwindle very quickly. And so it is so crucial. I think personally, again, I'm not an accountant. I always go to my accountant. I say, what do you think about this? Um, even in regards to how I pay myself as well, I'm also an S corp. I'm like, listen, what do you think? What can we do? What's going to look right? Like, you know, all the things. And so there's, there is a lot, but again, lean into the professionals, I think when it comes to um, dealing with that. So you're led in the right direction. hundred percent. A hundred percent. And, and again, take it upon yourself to at least learn the dialogue and to at least understand what is a PL and what does that look like? Because we ultimately have the power to control, okay, you know what? We have zero money. We're going to have to cancel this subscription or you know what? Like we're going to get away with, uh, we got to get rid of Tippy or we got to get rid of Vish or Salon Scale or there's, you have to look at all of the money coming in and what's going out and say, does it make us more money? Or is it just costing us? Mm -hmm. And that's a good way to evaluate of like, okay, we're going to get rid of this. this. You know, you can start a business on a shoestring budget, but, you know, as it gets bigger, you know, it's just important. Bottom line, just know what your numbers are. And yes, pay yourself because you, if you don't, you're going to get to a point where you're like, I'm just burnt out. I'm working for nothing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We both believe in having success and not only feeling successful, but financial success. And um, I think that's why we do so great with leading our teams, because we want them to have what we have and everybody to be successful at the end of the day. 100%. I love it. Those are some really great conversations. Can I get into my rapid fire questions? <laughs> so <I'm> nervous. <laughs> I have been having a lot of fun with this. So when I'm bringing guests onto the show, I have rapid fire questions. And those questions are just first thing that comes to mind, quick response. And I can already tell you're going to have some mic drops. So I'm going to get right into it. Okay. First rapid fire question is best advice you've ever gotten. You are the equivalent to the five people you spend the most time with. Write that down. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Biggest lesson you've learned in life. Get out of your own way. Just fail forward. Go for it. Love it. Okay. Favorite podcast besides obviously mine or yours. <laughs> I, I love Entree Leader uh, with John Maxwell. Done, done, and done. Guilty pleasure. Um, I love Disney and I like to watch Disney vloggers. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that for you. Okay. I think we're going to have to put like an example of that in the show notes so that everybody can like, they're They're walking around Disney eating food and telling you about it and riding oh rides. And <laughs> that is so fun. I love that. Okay. And then best beauty hack or secret that you're doing right now. So I'm not 100% behind the chair, hard, hardly at all right now. So, But I would say beauty hack is 
go back to the basics, been doing a lot of updos and breaking down head shapes and textures. And uh, to me, that's where it's at. Back to the basics. I love that. I think no matter what you're doing, you're for- formulating color, you're you're in a rut, go back to the color wheel, stick to the basics and then get fluffy from there if you need to. But like those are never going to lead you astray. Yes. I love that. Okay. So we we touched on the fact that you have a salon, you have a bridal business. I know you have some really awesome shows coming up and your podcast. Jennifer, give me the pitch of how our listeners can get in contact with you. Anything special that you want them to know? So any friend of Michelle is a friend of mine. So thank you so much, first of all, for having me on the podcast. And yeah, if you guys are interested in learning more, you can follow me on Instagram at Jennifer Jade Alvarez. And if you love the Limitless podcast with Michelle, I said that right, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then check out my podcast too. You can never have enough uh, education and information. So uh, beauty business game changer. And I've got some classes coming up at the American Beauty Show. So if you're interested in learning about the basics of how to break down an updo in five simple steps or how to become a bridal badass, make sure to check out the American Beauty Show. And you can find the links in the bio on Instagram at Jennifer Jade Alvarez. Girl, sign me up. We will also (laughs) have all of those links inside of our show notes. You guys, I promise you, you don't want to miss getting in contact with this girl. She is amazing. She's become one of my friends over, I think we met on Instagram. And yeah, if you're a friend of of hers, you're also a friend of mine too, because we're just two peas in a pod over here. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I can't wait to have you back next. And again, you guys go get in contact with her. She is amazing, phenomenal, brilliant, and beautiful. Love you so much. (laughs) Love you, Michelle. Thank you. All right, you guys, at the end of every episode, I do Ask Me Anything, where I let my listeners literally ask me anything, and nothing is off limits. So today's question is from Jesse from Savannah, Georgia. Jesse asked, what is one thing you don't like doing? (laughs) I think this is a funny question because I love doing a lot of things. I'm a doer, I'm a mover and a shaker. However, if you need to know anything about me, I hate doing returns. It's the worst. I've got things with tags in my closet or I give it to a friend. I, I don't know what it is. I don't like doing it at all. And opening mail, like I'm a tidy, clean, organized, precise Virgo. However, if you look at my mail pile, It is totally embarrassing. So those are two flaws that I have, you guys. Thank you so much for your questions. If you'd like to submit a question of your own, click the Ask Me Anything in the link of this description of the podcast. And as always, if this podcast helped or inspired you, I'd be so grateful if you would rate and review this episode, send it to a friend, or share to your social media. XOXO.